0: Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Mildred and Elsie, Episode 20 The boys took up their oars again, pushed out a little from the shore, and rowed upstream for a short distance, then turned and went down for a mile or more, keeping out of the main current all the time, according to promise. Elsie filled a trifle timid at first, and a little troubled lest she had not done quite right in yielding to her cousin's persuasions. But gradually these disquieting thoughts and feelings passed away, and she gave herself up to thorough enjoyment of the present pastime. They chatted, laughed, and sang, dipped their hands in the clear water, gazed through it at the pebbly bottom, and the fish, darting hither and thither, landed in several places to gather bright autumn leaves, then re-entered the canoe for another row. There was delightful, and most of the way they were pretty well shaded from the sun by the high bank and its trees and bushes. The boys did not soon tire with their work, for their load was light. Going downstream required but little use of their oars, and even rowing up was not very laborious. So the afternoon slipped away before they knew it. I believe the sun is getting low," Cyril said at length, "and we are a good mile from home. We must turn. Don. What time is it, Elsie? Taking out her pretty watch, half past five. She she said in some dismay. And the air begins to feel a little chilly don't you think so yes and it's supper time come don my lad we must pull lustily yes a long pool a strong pool and a pool both together responded don happily as he bent to his oar we ought to have brought shawls along for you girls sorrow remarked with an anxious glance at his little cousin i'm not cold said annis "'But Elsie is. Here, little cuss, let me put this round you,' he said, pulling off his coat. "'Nobody will see, and I wouldn't have you take a chill from this expedition for anything in the world.' "'But you will be cold,' Elsie said, shrinking back as he would have put it about her shoulders. "'Not a bit. Rowing keeps a fellow warm as toast this time of year,' he returned with a light laugh, and she made no further resistance.' Nearing the grotto, they saw Aunt Chloe standing at the water's edge, with a shawl on her arm looking out anxiously for her nursling. Oh mammy, has papa come? Elsie called to her. No, darling, fect he'll be long directly. But wait, but what for my chally, go off in de boat without shawl? When the evens gets so cool, I s fraid your papa m be mighty vexed about it and suppose you got drowned, honey. What dan? "'Come now, Aunt Chloe, it's all my fault, and if there's to be any scolding, I'm the one to take it,' Cyril said good-humoredly, as he helped Elsie ashore. "'Oh, Mammy, was it naughty and me to go? Do you think Papa will be displeased with me?' The little girl asked in an anxious whisper, while the nurse was busied and carefully wrapping the shawl about her, Cyril's coat having been returned with thanks. "'Maybe not, dear honey. Don't you fret. Where was the harm in her going?' "'But you won't tell of her, Aunt Chloe,' Annis said "'as they climbed the steps that led up the bank. "'No chally, specks not. Ain't no cousin or no how. "'He never in de house, very long for Miss Elsie "'tell him all she's been a-doin.' "'Shall you tell him, Elsie?' Annis asked, "'turning to her cousin as they gained the top of the flight of steps. "'Yes, I can't feel easy till Papa knows all about it. "'I'm afraid I oughtn't to have gone.' There was a tone of distress in Elsie's voice, and indeed she began to be sorely troubled in prospect of her father's displeasure, for her mammy's words had caused her to see her conduct in going on the river in a new light, and she had now scarce a hope that it would meet his approval. Besides, they were, were certainly late for supper, and he was particular in regard to promptness at meals. They hurried into the house, expecting to find their elders seated about the table, but there was no one in the dining-room, and though the table was set, the meal was not spread. The ladies had returned, but were waiting for the gentleman, who had not yet come in. Elsie was not sorry. She hastened upstairs to be made neat for tea, and was down again in a few minutes. Still nothing was to be seen or heard of the huntsman, and she began to grow uneasy perhaps some accident had happened to her dear papa maybe she was to be punished in that way for what she began to look upon as an act of disobedience or something very near it aunt marcia she said drawing nearer to mrs keith what do you think makes them stay so long "'I don't know, dear, but nothing serious, I trust. "'They probably went farther than they had intended. "'But don't be anxious. "'I do not see any cause for alarm,' was the cheerful, kindly answer. "'Supper had been delayed a full hour already, "'and Mrs. Keith decided that it should wait no longer. "'It is not worth while,' she said, "'for very likely our gentlemen have supped somewhere on the road.' Elsie was unusually silent, and seemed to have lost her appetite. Her eyes turned every moment toward the door. Her ears were strained to catch every sound from the street. Oh, what could be keeping her papa? They left the table, and she stationed herself at a front window to wait and watch for his coming. Mildred drew near, passed an arm about the child's waist, and with a gentle kiss asked, Why are you so troubled and anxious, dear little girlie? It is nothing strange that our father should be a little late in getting home tonight." Then Elsie, laying her head on her cousin's shoulder, whispered in her sympathizing ear a tearful story of how the afternoon had been spent, and her fear that she had done wrong in going out in the canoe, and that perhaps she might be punished by something dreadful happening to her dear, dear papa. I hardly think it was wrong, dear, Mildred said, not a very serious fault at any rate. And I cannot believe our Heavenly Father would visit you with such a punishment. He never treats us according to our deserts. He is a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. Yes, I know the Bible tells us that, Elsie returned, wiping away her tears. How good He is to me and to all His creatures. It makes me ashamed and sorry for all the sin in my heart and life. Mildred presently began talking to the, of the old days at Viamede and Roselands, trying thus to help the little girl to forgetfulness of her anxiety. Elsie grew cheerful, and apparently interested in her cousin's reminiscences of her babyhood. But still her eyes turned every now and then to the window, and her ears seemed attentive to every sound from without. The clock struck eight, and with a sigh she drew out her watch and compared the two. "'Oh,' she said, "'why don't they come?' I must go to bed in half an hour and I do so want to see papa first do you think he wouldn't let you stay up to wait for him asked mildred no cousin he always insists on my going to bed at the regular hour unless he has given me permission to stay up longer the half hour was almost gone only five minutes left, when at last Elsie's ear caught the sound of a well-known step and voice. She ran to the door, Papa, Papa, I'm so glad, so glad you've come. I was so afraid something had happened to you. "Ah, oh, I knew my little girl would be anxious, he said, bending down to give her a tender caress. Well, there was nothing wrong, except that we went a little farther than we intended. And here we are, safe and sound. "'And both tired and hungry, I dare say,' said Mrs. Keith. "'The first, but not the last,' returned her husband. "'We took out, took our supper an hour ago at Ward's.' "'Mr. Dinsmore sat down and drew Elsie to his side. "'Ah, is it so late?' he said, glancing at the clock. "'Just your bedtime, daughter.' "'Yes, Papa, but—' "'And with her arm about his neck, her lips to his ear, she whispered the rest. "'I want so much to tell you something, mayn't I?' Enter? "'Yes, go up now, and let Aunt Chloe make you ready for bed. "'Then put on your dressing-gown and slippers, and come to my room. "'I shall be there by that time, and we'll have our little talk. "'I should hardly like to go to bed without it myself.' Elsie obeyed, and he presently excusing himself on the plea of fatigue, for so early a retirement went to his room, where she found him waiting for her, as he had promised. "'Well, my pet, have you anything particular for Papa's ear to-night?' he asked, lifting her to his knee. "'Yes, Papa, but aren't you too tired to hold me?' "'No, it rests me to have my darling in my arms,' he answered. "'Papa, I'm afraid I don't deserve it tonight,' she murmured, hanging her head while a deep blush suffused her cheek. "'I'm sorry indeed if that is so,' he said gently, "'but very glad that my little daughter never tries to conceal any wrongdoing of her own from me.' Then he waited for her to speak. He knew there was no need to question her. "'Papa,' she said, so low that he barely caught the words, "'I went out, out on the river in a canoe with Annas this afternoon. Cyril and Don wrote it, His, and my little girl went without her father's permission.' His tone was one of grieved surprise. "'But you were not here to give it, Papa,' she said, bursting into tears. "'A very good and sufficient reason why my daughter should have refused to go. But, Papa, I did not know you would object, and I thought you would not want me to spoil the pleasure of my cousins, and they said I would if I refused to go. I think you certainly knew me well enough to be quite sure, if you had taken time to consider the question fully, that I would be far from willing to let you run into danger for the pleasure of others. But, Papa, Aunt Marcia lets Annas go, and Cyril said there was no danger.' "'Nonsense! Cyril is only a boy, not capable of judging. "'The current of the river is very swift and strong. "'I should not have trusted you upon it in a canoe "'with those boys for any consideration, "'and am truly thankful that you escaped without accident. "'But I am not pleased with you.' "'Papa, I am very sorry. "'Please don't be angry with me,' she sobbed, "'hiding her face on his shoulder. "'He was silent for a moment, then lifting her face, "'wiped away her tears with his handkerchief, And kissing her, said, I suppose the temptation was strong, and as it was not an act of positive disobedience to orders, I forgive you, but, my little darling, you must never do anything of the kind again. No, dear Papa, I will not, she said, with a sigh of relief. You are very kind not to punish me. Not kinder to you than to myself. It hurts me, I think, quite as much as it does you when I have to punish you, he said with another smell. Now, now, darling, bid me good night and go to your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Soft Story Classic.